Amen. Well, what a wonderful time of worship we've had thus far this morning. And uh, it's, it's, there's just something awesome about uh, worshiping God, about singing praises to his name and just thinking about the promises that God has given to us. Uh, it, it's amazing. I was thinking as we were singing that last song in Psalm chapter 23, the, the very last verse says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that awesome just to think about being able to sing that song forever? I, I want to keep singing it. If you ask me one more time, it would be great. Uh, it's just a blessing to be able to worship God, and uh, there's really no better place to be. There's nothing better to do on a Sunday morning than worshiping God, and, and uh, so thankful for each and every one of you to be here this morning. Well, it's our privilege and honor to have with us Brother Chris Phillips. Uh, he was a missionary to the Dominican Republic for many years, and, uh, and then the Lord led him back to Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, he's a man that I just met uh, literally this weekend, and, um, and there are people in life, and, and I think you'll understand me when I say this, but there are some people in life that you just meet them, and within like five minutes, you feel like you've known them forever. And uh, Brother Chris, uh, in the time that I've known him the last couple of days, it's just felt like that. Uh, we, we, um, we have, or he has been, I should say, an encouragement to me and a blessing to me in these last two days. And uh, just to hear about his ministry, uh, what God used him uh, to do in the Dominican Republic, and then coming back to Charleston, South Carolina, he, he started a Spanish ministry there. And just this past December, uh, uh let, uh, had a transition and, and led a man that he had trained to take over as the pastor of that church as God is leading him to a brand new ministry in this year of 2021. And it's a ministry called Selah International Counseling Ministries. And uh, it's, a, it's a ministry that I believe is much needed in our day and age, a ministry in which um, uh, he will be working with different pastors, different missionaries, and, and really not just pastors and missionaries, but those uh, that are uh, battling through anxiety, depression, discouragement, and doing one-on-one -on -one counseling. And it's something that's greatly needed. I, I don't know if you've uh, looked at statistics lately at all. I was looking at them uh, not only this morning, but uh, yesterday as well. And it's, it's hard to find. I don't know if you, if you saw this or not. From 2007 to 2017, the teen suicide rate and suicide rate overall has gone up 60%. If you try to look for statistics between 2020 and 2021 on suicide, you can't find them. Uh, but when you look at counties, uh, one county, for instance, in the San Jose area where uh, Pastor Micaiah Ermler is at, one, one of my close friends, he's been here with us, uh, he was telling me in his county alone, it's doubled uh, for ages 15 to 24. Um, it, it's amazing how, how much discouragement and anxiety is pushing not just older adults into wanting to take their own life, but even teenagers 15 to 24 years of age. And so... Uh, right now, if there's anything that's needed, it is counseling. It is biblical truth, and that's what God has called uh, uh, Brother Chris to do. And, uh, and so we're excited. I'm excited about what God has called him to do, the ministry that he has, and I'm looking forward to seeing how God's going to use that ministry uh, for many, uh, many in our nation uh, to bring them back to God and just to find their strength in the Lord. 
In the first two uh, services this morning, he's already been a, a huge blessing. Uh, if, you, if you didn't get to tune in through the live stream, I do encourage you. Uh, the message that he'll be preaching to us is going to be a different message than what he preached in the Spanish services. So if you'd like to see those, they were great. Um, the, the, the message was, how do I know if I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ? A disciple, not just a follower, not just a fan, but a disciple. And he talked about that. It was a great message. And I know this morning in our service here, he's going to be a wonderful blessing. So I'm going to ask Brother Chris if you would. Come on up. Let's go ahead and welcome him this morning as he comes and uh, shares with us what the Lord has laid on your heart. Thank you, Brother Jeremy. Good morning to you. This is, you speak English, right? I'll tell you what, this is the first time I've ever done that. Preached two times in Spanish and now try to change to English, so pray for me. Jeremy, thank you for letting me preach. How many preachers will get a call from a third party and say, I got this guy coming with me to Texas, let him preach in your church. And you, <laughs> who is this guy? I don't even know why they even did that. I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> but Jeremy, thank you for the opportunity. Um, it's a privilege to be here anytime that I get a chance to preach. It wasn't always that way. Uh, I'm a preacher's kid and I grew up and the thing I said I would never do is be a preacher. Never. I, didn't, I couldn't do it. I couldn't get up in front of people and talk. And, but the Lord has a way of wearing you down and getting you to the point of where you will be willing to do what he wants you to do. And um, through a long series of events, gradually the Lord helped me to get my focus off of myself and onto him. And when you can do that, he can do some amazing things through your life. I... Um, it's, it's a privilege because it's only by his grace that I can serve. Amen. Nothing in me. Um, as Jeremy mentioned, we have spent time overseas in missions. And really, the first 10 years of our ministry was in Christian education. My wife and I enjoyed that. Um, we served in two Christian schools as administrator. Um, she taught elementary school as well as piano and um, we enjoyed it, but the Lord began to burden our hearts for people that had never had a chance to hear the gospel, the name of Jesus. And at 32, we picked up with our four children, left the United States, and landed in Costa Rica. That's where they told us that we could learn Spanish. So we arrived there. I knew two things in Spanish, hola and donde está el baño. That's it. That's all I knew. But over the next year and a half, the Lord allowed us to just begin to love the Latin American people, the Hispanics, and you guys are in our hearts. There's just something special about you and your love for life, your love for people. And the Lord allowed us to learn, begin to learn Spanish, still doing it, in Costa Rica. Then we went to Cuba, and there we were able to um, minister for a year. Uh, but you know what Cuba's like. And so we were not able to plant churches. So we shifted over to the Dominican Republic. And there I went in and out of Cuba and used, of all things, basketball. The Lord allowed us to do basketball camps and see uh, teenagers come to know the Lord through that. And then we were able to establish a church in the Dominican Republic. While we were in the Dominican, my wife was diagnosed with lupus. I don't know if you know anything about that disease. It's an autoimmune disease. And um, we got her treatment. We were praying for healing. We were, we, we just couldn't 
conceive of the idea that God would take us there just to have us come back. And so it was a very, very difficult time. And, but the Lord, in His grace, um, helped us to make that decision, transition back to the States. And the church there in the DR is doing unbelievable. Uh, they're doing wonderful. The, some of the kids that received Christ when we were there for four years are now the pastor, the youth pastor, music director. So glory to the Lord for that. By his grace also, when we moved back to, to the States, my wife got treatment, but then he opened some doors for us to be able to start a Hispanic church on American soil. And South Carolina is not like La Valle. You've got Hispanics, but it, it's, it's different up there to try to get a stable local indigenous work established. Nothing's impossible with God. And he brought the right people along. He provided a building for us paid for during COVID. And we just installed the new pastor in December. And then the Lord led us to launch this new ministry. And, and this, this is the big question. And I think you alluded to it, Jeremy. Where do pastors and missionaries go when they're having difficulties? Who do they talk to? Who can they be real with and let down the guard? The video that you're going to see now hopefully shares our heart um, for reaching these people. So I pray it will bless your heart. I pray it will educate you and allow you to see what God's called us to do. Expectations are high for pastors, missionaries, and full-time Christian workers. The uncertainty, the isolation, and trying to go it alone have devastating effects on the spiritual leaders. They're weary of the disunity and criticism. They're discouraged about losing members. They face exhaustion, failed expectations, depression, and burnout. Everyone gets discouraged. The problem comes when they stay there, or otherwise we feel stuck there. This is exactly what many pastors, ministry leaders, and missionaries are experiencing on a daily basis. So little opportunity to step away from meeting the demands of others, to get the help they themselves so desperately need. And if our shepherds are discouraged and if they stay that way, can they truly encourage their flock effectively? There's no doubt that the attrition of pastors leaving their flocks and missionaries leaving their fields is having incredibly destructive effects on the body of Christ around the world. Something needs to change. My name is Chris Phillips, and I'm the founder of Sela International Counseling Ministries. We're a bilingual, preventative and crisis counseling ministry, assisting God's servants with personal and ministerial counseling needs. My wife and I have served on the foreign mission field, been involved in church planting, pastoring, biblical counseling, as well as school and church administration. By God's grace, we've been honored to establish two indigenous church plants, one in the Dominican Republic and another in Charleston, South Carolina. In 2015, our Charleston church was chosen to pilot the Spanish lay counseling course for the Biblical Counseling Center of Chicago. 22 of our members graduated after two years of study, and the transformation we saw in the lives of these first-generation Christians, as well as the impact of biblical counseling in our own family, convinced my wife and I to pursue certification 
through the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. A large portion of our ministry over the past 30 years has been to come alongside other missionaries, pastors, and Christian workers and encourage them in the Lord. Hebrews 12 encapsulates our greatest joy. To see the weak hands and feeble knees strengthened and the limbs that are out of joint healed. Our mission at Sela International is fourfold. First, to provide certified biblical counseling. We're committed to offering counseling that is credible, not based on what we might say, but convictionally on what God has said. Second, we offer confidential care and coaching for ministry leaders. This promotes accountability and avoids the isolation that is so common in our circles today. Third, we also provide care for missionaries on the field or on furlough. Missionaries face unique challenges and intense spiritual warfare, a reality which often leaves the missionary feeling trapped, alone, and even forgotten. Finally, we offer consultation for challenging cases within the local church. We come alongside pastors and assist them with evaluations, initial crisis counseling, and when needed, we offer a formal recommendation plan for going forward. Now, how will we accomplish this? First, through conferences and workshops in local churches. These intensives are essentially spiritual health checkups. We'd love to travel to your church and provide training in areas such as unity and marriage, parenting by faith, abounding in hope, the spiritual cure for anxiety, or biblical unity in conflict. Shouldn't we be doing more to help our families build biblical boundaries within their personal lives and homes and within our own local church family? to lessen the need for other crisis programs. Why do we have to wait for marriages to fail or relationships to break? Well, these workshops are designed to strengthen local churches and local believers by drawing attention to weak areas that need confrontation and care before they escalate into a crisis. Second, Sela personal counseling and care. Sometimes the needs are deeper and merit a separation from distractions for a few days of urgent attention. We see this often with issues such as grief, depression, family conflict, or marital crises. While we prayerfully wait for God to provide a designated home base for Sela International, we're grateful for the ministry partnerships we have formed in multiple states to offer affordable and private lodging in quiet settings for those needing this level of counseling. We truly believe that God will provide for Sela International Counseling Ministries, just as He has for us over the past 23 years in missions. Sela will be funded by faith to further help us maintain biblical integrity and limit influences outside the body of Christ. We need passionate individuals and churches to come alongside and partner with us financially and in fervent prayer. We hope that will include you. Would you prayerfully consider taking an active part in helping Salem Ministries be that safe place for God's servants and their families so they can find hope, care, and renewal? Our heart is to keep pastors in their pulpits, missionaries on their fields, and members faithful in their local churches for the furtherance of the gospel and the glory of God. Sela International is now five months old. We just launched in December. 
And since December, we were talking yesterday, Jeremy, weren't you a little nervous? You know, you launch a ministry of counseling and then you're sitting there, okay, you might need some help. <laughs> we were told there was a great need for this, but we had no idea. Um, we're getting around three to five requests per week from pastors and missionaries. Um, since December, we've been able to come alongside 10 ministry couples that have faced issues such as depression, such as marital conflict, on the brink of divorce, um, problems with their children, um, everything that, that you face. Pastors and missionaries face them. And what it looks like is we are now based in Charleston. We're open to wherever God will provide a place, a headquarters for Selah International. But um, the majority of the couples needing help will get in touch with us through our website then we will block off a time when they can come to Charleston. The exciting thing is that from the day we launched our ministry, word started getting out around Charleston. And now there are three homes of Christian businessmen. They have a second home in Charleston. They have provided that for our ministry for the couples to come free of charge or a small donation. So they come for a week and we meet with them twice a day and discuss the issues they're facing take them to the word of God, and then we see the Lord begin to heal these missionaries and these pastors and their families. I'll tell you what, it's exhausting sometimes, and it's pretty intense to try to get a preacher to open his heart up to things that he's preached for years, but yet he's not applying. And when you see them melt and the humility come, that's where God works in the humble heart. And he says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and what? He will lift you up. And we've seen that. Out of those 10 cases, nine of them have chosen to continue on in ministry and are serving the Lord. There's one that said it was too extreme what we were asking them to do, and they are not in the ministry. In addition to that, my wife's working with seven pastor's wives um, online uh, to try to help them with, with different issues. As well, there are three college students that are missionary kids with their families overseas that have also faced difficulties in, um, in their personal lives. Um, so you see, the issues that we're facing are the same globally. It's only intensified, though, when you're a preacher of the gospel or you're in ministry and Satan is attacking you and you're dealing with the normal issues of life, it gets intensified, you feel like a failure, you feel, I'm trapped, who do I go to, who can I admit this to? That's what we want to be, is the safe place that you can come to, get healing, so that you continue on, so that your pastor can continue meeting your needs. So he's strong spiritually. Don't you think more than ever, we need a strong church, local church, to fight the onslaught that is coming right now? So would you pray? pray for us. Um, it's it's an exciting ministry. It's growing. In fact, it's overwhelming. So we're going to need more counselors to come on board with us to help us meet this great need. Um, on the table, as you leave, there are several resources I'd like to draw your attention to. Um, the next slide will show you what's on there. Uh, we have little booklets. To be honest with you, the first two groups, they took just about everything. So I'm sorry. They're little booklets, whatever's left. They're about $4, but they, they deal with different um, counseling issues you may face. Uh, there's a ministry prayer card there. And I know I'm going out of order. Those that are, of you that are OCD. 
Some of you are, he's going out of order. Okay, we'll go in order. Number one is the ministry prayer card. Take one of these. It's upside down, sorry. Take one of these and pray for us, uh, my wife and I. Um, also, there's a brochure that tells you more detail, specifically what we're all about, our mission, and how we're going to accomplish that. And there's a clipboard back there for email updates. Please sign up for that. Um, we could keep in touch with many people, as many as we can get that will pray. That's a lot of the battle, that you would pray for God's Spirit to control us and give us discernment. And to bless you pastors, there is a card called Prayers for Pastors and Prayers for Missionaries. What these do, they lay out specific prayers that you can pray that are unique to your pastor and his family. Then they give you tangible ways that you can show that love and that care for them. Uh, Jeremy, if you'd like to take a few and highlight the ones you really want, <laughs> feel free to do that. On the back, they're the same thing, but it's specifically tailored for missionaries. Y'all support missionaries, correct? They're on the front lines. They need your prayers. Take as many of these as you want and put them in your Bible, put them on your refrigerator, around the house. Teach your children how to pray for your spiritual leaders. You will be blessed as you pray for them. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to Psalm 46. Once again, Jeremy and Pastor Noe, I want to tell you thank you. It's an honor to fill the pulpit today. As Jeremy said, he's still a little nervous. <laughs> but the good thing is, it's not about me, is it? It's about God. It's about his word. Uh, so let's see what he wants to share with us today. Oh, no. Have you uttered those words lately? You get a call from the doctor. You've tested positive for COVID. What do you say? Oh, no. You get a call from your mechanic. You got to have a new transmission. Oh, no. How about this one? Your daughter finally passes her driver's test. Oh, no. Here we go. Your wife, men, say, honey, we need to talk. Men, what is that? What, what rises in your soul when you hear those words? What did I do? What did I do? <laughs> or on a serious nature, you get a call from the doctor and you, you have cancer. Or a pastor, one of your deacons comes and says, my wife and I are getting a divorce. Or one of your children says they now identify as a different gender. These are real issues. Everyone that I just mentioned, we have dealt with in counseling over the last few months. In ministry leaders. When those crisis moments happen, Oh, no. Do you have confidence? Do you have godly confidence? The onslaught that is coming in our culture, they're asking questions that we never even dreamed of before. How do you counsel a 14-year-old girl that now identifies as a boy? What do you say? What's, what does the Bible say about that? These are issues that we face, but you know what? This morning, I think we could use a dose of godly confidence. We can be confident in the face of these attacks. 
And I'd like us to look at Psalm 46 and see what he wants to say about that. You know, there, the questions that we get asked can throw us for a loop. We even begin to ask ourselves these questions. For example, let's say in that list I just mentioned um, you, you were diagnosed with cancer. There may be someone like that here. And your neighbor who is not a believer cares about you and they come over and they're, they're so sorry about it. But then they say this to you. They say, you know, I thought you were a Christian. Why would God allow this to happen to you? What would you say? That's a hard one. Why would, you, why would God allow this to happen to you? Maybe you're asking yourself that question for whatever you're facing this morning. The crisis that you're in right now. Why, God? Why would you allow this to happen? I want to try to answer that question for you this morning. And I believe Psalm 46 has the answer. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, that you would help me to share and communicate this message clearly from a compassionate heart, from a courageous heart, from a confident heart, Lord, knowing that your word is true, no matter how we feel. So God, I pray that you would work in this service for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Martin Luther, when he was in greatest distress, was wont to call often for this psalm, Psalm 46. And this is what he would say. He would say, let us sing the 46th psalm in concert, and then let the devil do his worst. Now, I don't think I could say that after singing Worthy is the Lamb, although I love that song. Woo. Praise God for that song, but let the devil do his worst? That is confidence, my brother. Well, this psalm can bring us to the point where we can say that. Psalm 46 was written during a great time of distress in the nation of Israel. Um, if you study uh, the history, you'll see very quickly that the author of this psalm is obviously pleading to God for deliverance from an overwhelming enemy that they are facing. Many commentaries believe that this psalm was written around 700 B.C., which was impossible for David to have written this song because he wasn't alive at this time. And it was written when King Hezekiah of Judah was king over Israel, and he was in Jerusalem. At the same time, Isaiah was his compadre. I'm sorry, this is English. Companion. In the city at the same time. Many believe it was Isaiah who wrote Psalm 46. They were going through a difficult time because the Assyrian nation was attacking the nation of Judah. And they had already destroyed 46 towns and villages around Jerusalem. And now they were making their way. They were converging on the great city of Jerusalem. And they had it surrounded. There was 185,000 troops surrounding Jerusalem when this psalm was written. The Assyrians were a ruthless army. They perfected what was called siege warfare. You've probably heard of this. Siege warfare is where a military would create a blockade of a fortified city and the enemy would conquer that city by attrition. 
It would be low intensity conflict, but they would just be waiting, waiting, waiting for them to surrender. They would cut off their food, their water, until they were just no, they had no hope. Now, when you were in the city during this time, there was no way out. What would you do? There's no hope, so we got to surrender. And that's what King Hezekiah was battling against. As they were inside that city, Hezekiah had no idea what to do. And to make matters worse, you know what they also did during the siege warfare? They would send letters. The king of Assyria at this time was King Sennacherib. Have you heard of him before? Sennacherib. He wrote letters, sent them to King Hezekiah, and he would say in those letters, there ain't no use to resist. In fact, Isaiah 37, don't look there, just jot that down. Isaiah 37, 10 through 11, gives us an example of one of the letters that Sennacherib sent to King Hezekiah. Um, Isaiah is just one of three accounts of this siege in the Old Testament. But I love Isaiah's account because Isaiah was in it at this time. And this is what Sennacherib said to King Hezekiah. Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Let not thy God in whom thou trustest deceive thee, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, thou hast heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands, destroying them utterly, and shalt thou be delivered? Now, that was true. They had destroyed these other cities. So that message, those thoughts, were going through the leader's mind right now, discouraging him. However, that night, Isaiah was praying. Hezekiah took all the letters from King Sennacherib. That was just one example. There was a bunch. You know what King Hezekiah did? You probably remember, don't you? He took those letters, and he laid them out on the floor, and he fell on his face before God. What an awesome thing to do. Have you been there? You may have been there in a crisis moment, disappointment, grief. You have nowhere to go except God. But guess what? That's where you can find the help that you need. Only in the Lord. Hezekiah found it. In fact, God sent the message through Isaiah to King Hezekiah. Listen to what God said through Isaiah to King Hezekiah. Verses 33 through 35. Listen to this. Therefore, thus saith the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. He shall not come into this city nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shields, nor cast a bank against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and shall not come into this city, saith the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. So you saw Sennacherib's message, and you saw God's message. Hezekiah had a choice to believe each one. Guess what? Whenever you have a crisis... You're going to hear your heart say something. You're going to feel things that seem logical and seem correct. But that's the enemy. Or you can go to God's word and hear what God has said about your situation. And you can choose to believe truth. Thank God, Hezekiah believed the truth. And my brothers and sisters, I believe that it was that night before Isaiah saw how God was going to deliver. See, he got the message that, oh no, Sennacherib's not coming into the city. Okay, how are you going to do that? He didn't know. But guess what he wrote? Psalm 46. 
His faith was so confident in God, he didn't know how, but he knew his God was going to come through. That's why this is such a powerful psalm of confidence. I like to read the whole psalm. Is that okay? No. One more thing before we look into the psalm. The psalm is divided into three different sections. At the end of each stanza, there's a little word called Selah, name of our ministry. Selah literally means three things. It's actually a musical term. You know how sometimes there'll be a pause in the music so that these musicians can catch their breath? Um, well, in olden days, they would sing the psalms, and whenever they came to the word Selah, the musicians would tune their instruments. They take a moment because they had been praising God sometimes for all morning. And so when you came to Selah, they would stop, they would pause, they would let the musicians tune their instruments, then they would reflect on what they had just sung. And then not only that, then after they reflected on that truth, they would lift their hands in praise and praise God for that truth that he had just said. That's all encompassed in that little word, Selah. So when we're reading this psalm, let's read it like that, okay? Y'all with me? Verse 1. I'd like you to read it out loud. In voz alta, okay? Verse 1. With me. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. Verse 4, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow. and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Just reading that, what does that do to your soul? He, he, he talks about natural disasters in there, the mountains, the oceans, hurricanes. Y'all know anything about that? Tornadoes. But he says, even in the midst of all these natural disasters, enemies coming, God of Jacob is our refuge. He is our protection. Three things this morning, how we can have godly confidence during those oh no moments. First of all, we can have confidence because of God's presence. We have confidence because of God's presence. Verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength. A very what? Present help in trouble. Jerusalem was surrounded. Great fear was gripping the king and the entire city, but they had been given through Isaiah the promise of God's presence. 
Maybe you're hurting significantly right now. There may be emotional suffering through conflict in the home, marriage, whatever. Uh, There may be physical suffering. You may be suffering physically. But when you are suffering, there is no greater truth that can give you the comfort that you need than that God is with you. The presence of God is the greatest truth that you can reflect on. He is with you. Not just to hope for when we're in heaven one day, as great as that is. But right now, in your own moment, God is with you. And you can have confidence. So when that neighbor comes over, I heard you have cancer. Why would God let this happen to you? You know what you can say? You can say, I don't know. (laughs) I, I have no idea why God would allow this. But I know this, I don't have to go through this alone. God is with me. And you know what else, neighbor? Before the foundation of the world, he knew I was going to be going through this. And he's given me everything that I need right now to face this with confidence in my God. So yeah, it hurts. Yeah, I don't know. But my God is with me. Now, if you have Christ as your Savior this morning, you can say that in anything that happens to you. If you don't, you can't. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, He's calling for you this morning because He wants to be that for you. But until you receive Him as your Savior and you become His child, He can't be that for you. This morning, maybe now's the time for you to accept Him as your Savior. So that you can have this godly confidence. God is with us. Do you believe that this morning? You remember Psalm 23? Verse 4? It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. You remember Isaiah 43, 2? When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers... They shall not overflow thee, and the fire thou shall not be burned. Now, he, he doesn't promise that when you get saved, he's going to put a bridge over all trouble. He promises there will be trouble, but I will be with you in that trouble. So you can have confidence. And then in our, in our passage today, my brothers and sisters, verse 2 says, Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed. Earthquakes, hurricanes tornadoes. As we look at that scripture, you know what came to my mind? If we truly believe that God is with us, then fear is irrational. Think about that. I'm not saying you will never fear. Fear is an emotion that comes up in our heart. You're going to have moments of fear and panic. But once you, Selah, Pause and you reflect on Psalm 46. Fear is irrational because God's with you. So you can dispel all fear simply by remembering the presence of God in your life. When you are overwhelmed, be confident. God is with you. I know your church, Pastor Noe and Jeremy and the church leaders, your church is going through a transition. Uh, you're just starting this? or Okay, you're just starting the transition. It can be a 
un tiempo delicado in the life of a church. God has his hand on you, Pastor Noé. God has his hand on you, Jeremy. God has his hand on you, Iglesia, wait, Bethany Baptist Church. No, God has his hand on you. Each one of you may have a fear about the transition that's coming up. Trust God. Have confidence in God. Keep your eyes open. Listen. Give input. But God will build his church and God will protect his church. The worst thing you can do is run. Just simply because you don't understand everything. No, stay faithful, brothers and sisters. God's got his hand on Bethany Baptist Church. Be confident. Whenever these moments come, I know Hispanics. My wife is half, she's not really, but she acts that way sometimes. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Well, see, when my children accuse me of being just one tick away from being comatose sometimes. Just flatline. My wife's not like that. She's alive and just, you know what? Whenever a crisis comes, my natural reaction because of my personality is, hmm, listen, hmm. I don't freak out. I hope my wife's not watching this. <laughs> Sometimes she freaks out. Do you know anybody like that? Uh-oh, people are pointing at people. Don't do that. <laughs> but there's different personalities. Okay, when the next all-no moment you have, and maybe this afternoon. You may have had one this morning. I don't know. When you have an oh-no moment, don't just start, ah! Selah. Pause. Don't, don't start playing your instrument without tuning it. Get along with God. Reflect on his truth. Tune your violin. Tune your guitar. Whatever instrument you're playing. Your heart. If, if, you, do, if you start playing rashly, have you ever heard a guitar out of tune being played? Or a violin out of tune? What does that sound like? Ah, that's the way it happens for a Christian. When we respond like that without stopping and listening to the Lord and the Holy Spirit. You're going to ruin your life song if that's your pattern in your life. You'll ruin it. No, Selah. Take a step back, pause, think about it. Then once you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, then you can proceed. Then you can freak out. No, I'm just kidding. Don't freak out ever. Confidence. Okay? Confidence. God is with you. Number two, you can have confidence because of God's provision. Number one, his presence. Number two, his provision. Look in your Bibles. Verses four and five says this. There is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. One of the greatest fears during the siege of the Assyrians was that the water supply would be cut off. When that happened, hope was gone. But King Hezekiah was very, very smart. Months before, he had dug a tunnel. And you'll see it here on the screen. Um, he had dug a tunnel 1,500 feet through solid rock underground outside the walls of Jerusalem that connected with the brook Gihon. 
and fed water right to the pool of Siloam in the middle of Jerusalem. So King Sennacherib had no idea they had this water supply. Doesn't that remind you of the Holy Spirit for us? It says in John 7, 38, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. You have that supply in you. God has provided all you need for whatever he allows in your life. Corey Ten Boom, have you heard of her? She was the little girl that was in the movie The Hiding Place. You may have seen during the Nazis, the Holocaust, and her family hid Jews. One day she was with her dad and she was afraid because she started thinking as a 10-year-old girl, what would happen if the Nazis caught us? What, even though we're not Jews, would they not treat us the same? So she said, Dad, what happens? Will we go to prison? He said, you know what, Corey? That's a possibility. He said, but, Corey, when do I give you the ticket to get on the train? And Corey said, well, Dad, you give me the ticket when I get on the train. He said, Corey, whenever God allows something hard in your life, he's going to give you the ticket of his grace in that moment. 